Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. You can check out the radio version of the show every Tuesdays and Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on WDJY 99.1 in Atlanta. We also air on a podcasting network in Los Angeles called the 405 Media. There's a TV version of the show that airs on KMVT 15 in Silicon Valley at 8 p.m. Pacific on Tuesday nights. Both versions of the show air in other states. For these show times plus past episodes, please visit the show's website at buildingthefutureshow.com. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com. I want to invite all of you in the Building the Future community to join me at SUPEX, the Startup Expo in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, this July 26th, where I'll be the MC. SUPEX is one of the largest and best startup conferences in the U.S. and the official gathering of the Building the Future community this summer. SUPEX has cutting-edge content, a cool startup competition, and a half-day forum this year called Hashtag Women for Women, the largest gathering in the U.S. in 2018 of angel groups, seed funds, and BC funds focused on female founders and female entrepreneurs. For more information, visit www.sup-x.org. I hope to see all my Building the Future friends there. Welcome back to the show. Today we have John Morris. He's the managing partner at Intentional Media. John, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kevin. It's nice to be building the future with you. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I, I think what you guys are, are doing is actually really innovative and cool. But maybe before we get into all that fun stuff, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Well, thank you. Um, I grew up in a uh, university town, Princeton, New Jersey, uh, okay. and uh, it's uh, where I live now, but I've been a lot of places in between. Okay, so you went to university. What did you take and, and what made you take that in university? Was there like a defining moment in your childhood that made, made you want to take uh, that? Uh, I went to Bucknell University of Pennsylvania. Okay. And uh, leaving, um, you know, after uh, uh, I was I was an athlete, and uh, so I didn't really appreciate what the value of what I was going to learn at university. I was kind of um, similar to what society had done a little bit. Like you go to university if you can, um, and your parents want you to get that education. So I I didn't. At the moment of going, I didn't have an educational pursuit. I had an experience that I was looking to pursue called college. And um, and I got a lot out of uh, going with that open mind. Okay. What what sport were you uh, big into at the time? Uh, the sport that was created by uh, the American Indians, uh, lacrosse. Oh, interesting. Uh, the, uh, and, uh, uh, and it's... Um, Back then, it was it was there were very few people that played it, uh, but um, it has um, it's uh, grown quite a bit. Sure. So you get out of university. You you've worked at a number of kind of companies up until the stuff you're doing now. Walk us through kind of your your career and, and maybe some career highlights because you you've done a ton of stuff. Mm hmm. Well, um, I came out. Uh, I had a an internship uh, and in college that I got an opportunity with Merrill Lynch. Um, and that led to um, getting a job right out of college in, at Merrill Lynch, which was then not the largest, one of the largest financial firms. And, sure. and um, 
the job that I got was a training program. It was an 18-month training program that allowed me to rotate to all the different divisions, investment banking and private client and government relations and trading. So um, that, that really defined my career because I was able to start with experiencing the landscape of an industry opposed to going into, um, into one category. And uh, then uh, through that, there was 12 of us. We were able to kind of choose which direction we wanted. Everyone else went into investment banking, the more capital market side. I was very intimidated by um, how smart everyone was uh, around me. Um, and uh, I um, chose to go into the private client side that I could deal with individuals who I would be an expert because of the way the firm, the firm I was from, but I wasn't dealing with other institutional experts and I could, I could um, really provide value to them. So um, after a year and a half, uh, married uh, the girl that I met my senior year and she and I moved to London and um, uh, that was uh, the beginning of having my own book of clients for 10 years in London and then wow. moving to Dubai and managing uh, an office for four years in Dubai and coming back to London and managing um, uh, the office that I started in uh, and then coming back to London after 15 years. By then, we had three girls in London, one in Dubai, and uh, came back to the farmhouse that I grew up in Princeton, bought it from my parents. We moved in and I was commuting to New York wow. uh, to manage the New York International Office, uh, a couple hundred financial advisors, all working with different investors around the world. Um, then I became chairman of Latin America, uh, running around Latin America and understanding the different cultures of investors, the way I learned the cultures of the Arab investors and, and the subcontinent. Um, and then my last job at Merrill Lynch after 25 years there was to, to go into the kitchen, uh, which was to create the product where before I was more of a waiter serving the clients or head waiter helping those um, waiters understand how to market what was on the menu. Uh, I had always been in the front end explaining the menu. Now I was going into the kitchen and uh, being in charge of product, international product, um, which was um, uh, to structure all the different things on the menus for all of the offices around the world for Merrill Lynch. And that was um, my last role at Merrill Lynch before I became an entrepreneur in 2005. Interesting. So what made you decide to kind of, you know, move away from Merrill Lynch and actually start a company and, and become an entrepreneur? Uh, I think your show, Building the Future. Um, uh, I had I had had the benefit of learning how things work at Merrill Lynch, sure. um, and the kind of legacy and status quo of the supply chain of one of the biggest industries in the world, capital markets, and how it gets from a problem to an investor somewhere in the world. Uh, but I also saw that the major firms were maybe losing touch with some of the changes that were going on. The need for, there was, there was more and more cry for transparency. There was more and more need for innovation. And at that time, I was seeing the whole industry start to become a little more focused just on the financial structuring uh, of, of 
internal bottom line as opposed to client innovation. I think they're getting back to client innovation now, but I really wanted to be out there innovating, and I thought the best way to do that was uh, to um, start a new company and, and uh, start to um, innovate in financial services. Okay, interesting. And you, you did that for kind of a number of years. So kind of walk yeah. us through that career up until kind of what you guys are doing with SOCAP in the you know social mar mm -hmm. uh, capital markets. Uh, kind of two chapters. One was creating Clearbrook, uh, founding Clearbrook uh, Global Advisors, which is a platform of asset managers okay. uh, that is transparent and also with research on uh, those asset managers serving the institutional market. And uh, that, that company is still doing great work with the institutional market and kind of the pension advisory side and championing transparency. And then um, a few of the partners and I uh, spun off to create a wealth management business in 2011 called Snowden Lane Advisors. And that, that is um, um, uh, now at $4 billion in assets. Yeah. And it, is, um, it was really to focus on advisors that wanted to work in an independent environment, uh, but have the resources that major firms have and focus on um, maybe have a, a very laser-like focus on their client needs. Um, uh, in this um, more independent um, advice space. So did that, and we had the benefit of having um, um, a, a large um, investment from a private equity firm uh, to follow on from the original founders. I was really fascinated by that time with social impact investing. Okay. And, and knew that that's what I wanted to do 100% of the time and really focus on that. So that was 2012, 2013. And, um, and so at that moment, when the big growth capital came in, um, I uh, moved on and, and my partners are, you know, it's still a fantastic firm and started looking at helping companies that have real strong values and want to create economic value from their core values. Uh, and one of those companies was, um, was SoCal. Okay. Uh, they were just convening uh, more people than anyone in the world around the discussion around purpose and investments, the intersection of money and meaning. And uh, Bob Caruso, who's the chairman, and, my, and uh, he and I are partners in, in all of this, he had been an investor in Snowden. He had been uh, had invested in a number of things um, that I was um, uh, working on in the past. And uh, there was an opportunity uh, based on the interest of the founders of SoCal to sell the event space. And, and Bob and I got together and thought, what a great opportunity to work with uh, the founders and the leadership team to take what had been built for 10 years that has really been a meeting place for the industry and all that has been developed and um, apply our business skills to 
what we think is just the beginning of the changing of the capital markets. Okay, interesting. So for people that haven't heard of SOCAP, and, and you quickly kind of mm -hmm. talked about it, but like what exactly do you guys kind of do and, and why do you think it's so important? Well, we know um, from our children, from what we read, from uh, data, uh, from uh, the ills of the past, that people want more from their investments, want more from their businesses uh, than just the financial return and only 100% shareholder focus. We know that successful companies when they look at what their stakeholders are, that the, tr the old company only focus on their shareholders. Okay. But we know that successful companies today look at the communities in which they work, their consumers, their employees, uh, the footprint they leave on the world, are other stakeholders that they should um, think about when running their business. SOCAP, is is an event, a three-day event uh, that brings the best practitioners together in this field with the most curious learners, as well as investors and entrepreneurs, and one big Lollapalooza of good business. And that's why we call it, it's at the intersection of money and meaning. Um, and and that's, that's what SOCAP is, it's been going for 10 years, and it has three days of events, about 250 tracks that have a panels of three or four people, aside from all of the wonderful social events all around it. No, I, I think that's really great. So what types of stuff do you guys kind of cover? Because I, I get that, like the social side and whatnot, but, you know, just for people to fully understand what types of stuff or tracks do you guys kind of have at the event? Mm. Well, this, this past year, um, uh, we had uh, some just really wonderful tracks. And, and uh, Lindsay Smalling, who is uh, uh, responsible for SOCAP, does such an amazing job bringing it all together. Um, the, the major tracks this past year was uh, the racial equity track. Um, and uh, that was um, a, a a great success. We had uh, uh, a, um, a climate change track. We had a neighborhood economics track. Okay. Um, we we had a sustainable livelihoods track. We had the UN very involved with a, we called it Beyond Aid and achieving the development goals. And then we also had a, a good capital um, project track, which is about kind of the capital markets and investing. Okay. Um, so those are some examples of, of uh, we had a meaning track, you know, a lot of things on mindfulness and uh, um, in the workplace. Um, so we would bring the different content providers around those tracks and we had some great sponsors that got behind some of those and really helped people decide, you know, what they wanted to get out of that three-day conference. Sure. And, and what's the date that's going to be happening this year in, in 2018? 
October 26th, that third week of October. Um, uh, and um, it's uh, we're actively, um, if you go to uh, uh, our um, SOCAP 18 website, uh, you'll see tickets are selling and, and the content is coming together. And okay. I'm sure it'll be a record year. Again, last year was a record. And I'm sure because of the marketplace, it will just keep growing. And it's, it's, um, it's really fun. Sure. And it's in San Francisco at, at the Fort Mason Center for, for Arts and Culture. I, I didn't, I've never been to your event before, but I've been to that kind of area. And it's, that's a beautiful area that you guys are kind of hosting this event. Well, well, you're coming this year, right? You I'm, I'm hoping. Come. That's the plan. Come. That's the plan. You, you, you need to have a few interviews there. You need to have some fun. And if you're going to gonna build the future, you, Kevin, you have to do it through uh, the lens of all of what's going on at SOCAP. So we need you. This is a formal invitation. All right. Well, you're coming to SOCAP all right, let's, in 2018. We, we will figure that out. So just for people again, <laughs> October 23rd to the, the 26th, kind of in San Francisco, socialcapitalmarkets.net is the website where they can get more information. Um, and and I, I think what you guys are doing with that is, is actually really cool. And, and we'll kind of talk more about that as, as the show kind of goes on. But mm -hmm. you touched on kind of the Good Capital Project. It's kind of, like you said, kind of part of SoCap. But what exactly is the Good Capital Project? And, and why did you guys decide, you know, to, to kind of do that as well? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think this is, you know, this is something that I find really exciting because um, the the generation, the the generation that could be the greatest generation ever, the millennials. Um, okay, interesting. Uh, so, sorry, why do you say that? Just out of curiosity, because I'm a millennial, 35, um, and I think it's we're basically pigeonholed as like the slacker, lazy kind of. Which I love because the bar's so low, but but I'm curious to know why you, you you say that. Well, I don't know a lot of slacker, lazy millennials. Okay, interesting. Uh, I, I am so uh, you know I'm I'm biased by my experiences, and okay. I would rather work with millennials than any other stage um, uh, of of demographics. Uh, I think the level, the ability to process. The ability to understand communication, the recognition of change going on, the healthy cynicism that the millennials have, and the commitment to uh, do align their interests with their consumption, their career, and uh, their opinions, I think is, is the opportunity the millennials have to be the greatest uh, generation, maybe the most important generation, because you're also coupled with having the most advanced technologies at your disposal that give more power to an individual than might have been given to countries when I was a young boy. And so therefore, the values that you develop as a generation will drive the kind of social norms on what is acceptable. Interesting. And that will allow you to 
either use the amazing technologies that can take society into a whole new level to to bring an even better world than we live in today or to take us into a level of anarchy and chaos and and, <laughs> and destruction. That's your call. Sure. Like you all can do it. Your radio show can take care of that. Sure. You like you're going to build the future or you're going to tear it apart. Yeah, that's no it... I'm betting on the greatest generation in the history of the world coming out of your listeners. Interesting. Well, I hope so. Like I like I, I guess I'm I'm trying to do my small part to make you know, promote kind of people like yourself that are actually kind of actually, you know, being involved in the change and, and helping people, you know, kind of fund some of this stuff and put on these kind of conferences and events that people can actually, you know, go to and meet the right people and get money and all that fun stuff. But back to kind of the Good Capital Project, I took us on kind of a tangent there, but what exactly <laughs> kind of is it and, and what what are you guys doing with that? Because I think it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, when we when we came in and, and kind of uh, got involved with SoCap, okay. we thought SoCap as a great brand, we could have everywhere. It could change everything because it had that passion. But then we realized part of that passion is about startups, is about meaning, is about community. And, um, and it might not be about all aspects of the capital markets of investment banking or wealth management. Um, but without the flow of capital, you can't change the world uh, as quickly as you can with it. And, um, and probably the financial services industry is one of the more, uh, it has probably changed the least of any other major industry. And, um, but the consumers, the women and the millennials, which are increasingly the majority of decision makers, Interesting. Um, uh, are wanting a different set of um, uh, approaches. So we felt the way to address this with the passion and the impact experience that had been developed through SOCAP for the last 10 years, all of that content, all that expertise that have been, it's been a, a soapbox to communicate a better world. How can we use that to influence the capital markets? And we said, let's create the Good Capital Project. Let's borrow from your coast, the West Coast, design thinking methodologies. Okay. Let's, because Wall Street doesn't use design thinking. It uses the smartest guy in the room rules Interesting. and makes the decision historically it's changing okay. um but design thinking allows for all ideas and uh, allows for a full process of understanding all the stakeholders so let's address design thinking to all the stakeholders in the capital markets and look at what we can do to affect better uh to affect more capital going into better outcomes than would otherwise and use good capital project as a brand to really focus on the capital markets and uh, so we launched that in june uh had all the major banks there major pension funds entrepreneurs foundations un uh, uh world bank 
plus um, uh, all uh, kind of demographics of people broke up uh, that group into six different groups the majority of the day to break, to ask a lot of questions. How could capital, uh, how could we get more capital to solve more problems to, uh, uh, to have the capital markets be able to meet the human needs of tomorrow uh, as quickly as possible? And that created 1,800 different questions across six different uh, big challenges that we sure. posted. And then we spent three or four months having work sessions through around those six grand challenges to lead it into what are some of the tangible things that we can actually do in the next um, uh, two years or 18 months that can move the dime uh, by working with a collective audience that we have throughout uh, SOCAP and the Good Capital Project and the different things we do. So that's what the Good Capital Project is. It's a change management project for the capital markets to make it more relevant to both the consumers of the future and how money is utilized to, for better outcomes and also to uh, change some of the industry for the better. I, I think that's really great. So you kind of touched on it, but I, I want to dive maybe a little bit deeper. Like you guys are, it's kind of a huge goal that I think is attainable and, and needs to be kind of worked towards. But how do you guys kind of bridge all those types of people in, in those kind of verticals to actually make this happen in two years? Mm -hmm. Well, there's a lot, we're not the only ones. Um, there's a lot of associations uh, and this isn't like we don't have the corner on good ideas or uh, the vision. Okay. What we do have is the experience of both the old and the new. And uh, we see, remember my early training of, of going around in all the different areas of the firm. Right. What a lot of the impact space really doesn't have is an understanding of all the different functions in the capital markets. And so there's people that have really good intentions that get stuck in just solving the problem, but don't know how to be scalable and getting capital or structuring their company in a way that can accept capital. Or there are research providers who may research this, but don't know how to maybe have a broader impact on research to more users so it becomes the norm on how people look at things or there could be clients who don't have a framework to invest within so they know how they want to invest in water problems how they want to invest in gender equity or how they want to invest in in a, um, a refugee issue next to the stock they own or the bond so there's, there's not those frameworks of advice that advisors can talk to their clients. So what happens is everything gets really fragmented. Right. And there's a lot of good efforts that are not scaled. And then there's this huge capital markets that just keeps working the same way it always did. And it they don't connect. So the reason we think we can do this is just design thinking. It's breaking down the silos. It's getting smart people. I mean, lead and you know, when I say the capital markets doing the same thing, that's really good people. And the capital market, the industry of financial services, 
they would love to shift their whole firm to be completely more purpose-driven. They know that the future employees and clients, millennials, would flock into their firm if they could. But the silos have to be broken down. People have to share their knowledge, and we have to look on how to institutionalize it. So the Good Capital Project is in a small way doing that through different events, different things we write about, different initiatives we have. And we hope, you know, and, and so is, uh, there's other associations doing that. There's, there's um, other efforts and we're doing it in this new shared economy that all you millennials only know. You live in this shared economy. That's your best practice. That's the way of the world. The 700,000 co-working spaces now in the U.S. Like that is the way wow. of the future. Sure. So we need to fit this into that construct. And that's what, uh, you know, we, we want to do that through trying to, we've done this good capital project around um, in a design approach around the capital market. So we want to do it in cities okay. and bring city decision makers together. We want to do it uh, with the UN. We're looking at doing it with some of the different country efforts. Wow. So it's, it's just getting groups together with a view of how do you structure your city your industry, your um, uh, to align better with the needs of the community or the company, with the interest of capital, to do good. Interesting. So I, I'm curious then, like, and correct me if I'm wrong. Is basically you're trying to bring people from kind of all walks of life and experience. Um, kind of just together to solve kind of big problems. Is that kind of a really simple way to put well, it? Yeah, we, well, that, that would be called, uh, that's a, a beautiful uh, de- uh, description, which I would say is what we hope the future of capital markets is. Okay. That people from all walks of life come together to solve big problems. Sure. I would love that to be the New York Stock Exchange or all capital markets. Wouldn't that be great if that's what the capital markets was um, in order to do that, we've got to get a lot of people who know those mechanics okay. that can start to challenge those frameworks. So it does lead to people of all walks of life. In order to change those mechanics, we do have to also talk to people of all walks of life on what what their user interface would want to be. Right to do that. Okay. So this is, you know, this is all very lofty. Um, we're, we're, you know, that's the mission. Um, there's a lot of starting points. One of the outputs of the Good Capital Project is to launch, um, which we will be announcing shortly with, with a major uh, university um, uh, in, in a couple weeks at our next conference, uh, will be a, a major impact university challenge. And we hope to introduce to universities the opportunity for their students to create teams like march madness you know create their own team uh of impact investors that we will give um examples of clients that they will create a portfolio across all asset classes that would that investment portfolio would help society but also give the returns of that uh client now we and we have them compete against each other we're on different challenges of which we will invite the top five regionally to 
present in front of hopefully a f- bunch of future both employers and maybe even all walks of life to hear how they're doing it. Um, and then they will go to the national effort uh, and uh, at our conferences like SOCAP and others and, and say, this is how we put this together and why. Through this portfolio, we can change this many things socially. We can also give its owners this type of return. Now, all of a sudden, those those students are becoming the teachers of the current corporation. They will be hired very quickly because they will do it. This great generation potential that you have will be able to shine and they, it'll be an on-ramp to the best practices in investment advice. Sure. Yeah. Interesting. Right. And even, even if they don't necessarily win, just the, experience they gather is hugely valuable to a company yeah i took one course that i remember at bucknell it was portfolio management okay i was given the ability to go and do the research and put a portfolio together for a million dollars well surprise surprise i remember that and i became a financial advisor at merrill lynch it affected me very positively I, i want to see the opportunity for all the future leaders to be able to build portfolios of all asset classes of stocks and bonds and cash and real estate and so forth and do it in a way that they're buying, they're choosing to buy, you know, environmentally friendly investments, ones that uh, they have a good understanding of the supply chains of the companies, ones that are actually solving problems, not creating them. And if we can do that with your generation, um, you know, it, it's, it's going to have its impact on the financial industry. Another thing that we're doing is there are 600,000 advisors of wealth in America. They're the insurance people. They're the uh, wealth advisors. They're the brokers. Their average age is like 55 years old. Okay. Their average clients are five years older than them. I got you. They're mostly old white guys, basically, that um, have grown up in the industry. Um, They've been serving their clients the way they've always served. Some of them are very innovative, but they are used to doing the things they've always done. There is a shortage of people coming in to the advice business from your generation. Okay. And a lot of people say it's because of the robo-advisory and so forth, but... You know, as, as your generation gets this massive historical amount of money come to its plate, and also as the economy starts to pick up because you all have children and you start consuming things and all of that, you're going to have a lot of wealth and you're going to need advisors. You have a shortage of people from your generation going into it Interesting. because they don't, they don't connect to the way it's always been done. Sure. So it feels probably broken, we, uh, right? Is that fair to say? Yeah, it feels broken. Okay. okay. It's like the brands aren't as strong as they were. Sure. Uh, it's not dynamic, and but it needs to be reinvented to to engage your generation. Well, we have to start with the people that are there right now because sure. they're going to be there probably for another ten years. So we're launching total impact uh, conferences. Okay. To to for the current advisors. And so we can show them equity, stocks, all asset classes, 
show them the numbers that are going on, the way how big a growth market this is, and they may be missing out on it. So we want to meet them with the knowledge you have and be an on-ramp for them to learn and to say, maybe I need to hire, a, uh, I need to bring some, some younger people onto my team. I need to change the way I do business. I need to adjust and I need to address uh, the interests of the women and the millennials that are making all the decisions. And I need to start shifting the way my practice is. That's a ridiculous $18 trillion of money and high net worth, uh, you know, pockets in America. And when the ridiculous amount of money changes hands in the next 10 years to your generation, are people ready to advise on that? And so we want to meet the current people where they are through the total impact conferences, which our first one will be in Philly uh, okay. this month, April 26th and 27th. And we want to work with the future leaders of people coming out of university. And we want to be do a lot of things to connect the two of those things. Okay. And then I'm assuming you're going to do more kind of total impact uh, conferences yeah. throughout the rest of the year. Is that fair to say? That's right. So, so we we haven't booked, uh, but the first week of October we'll do one in Boston. Okay. By uh, the end of the year we'll do a third city. We'll do all. We'll repeat all of those next year, and we hope to add three or four more. So, we intend to have five to seven in major cities around uh, in 2019. Wow. As an outreach to investors, and we intend to have a number of universities involved in the impact challenge uh you know that will roll out over the next two or three years so it's, it's really exciting um that's all on the wealth management side you know the investor side sure the other side is how you structure uh money around entrepreneurs and businesses in financial services that's called the origination side and and the species that serve that are investment bankers Okay. That also needs to undergo change. And there is a new approach that people are seeing that's coming out of foundations and development organizations like the UN and entrepreneurs called blended finance, which blends both donation money and investment money to help get things started that might not be as investable. And uh, so that's a third initiative coming out of Good Capital Project which is a blended finance program, which we're launching training uh, well, um, in different education tracks. And we'll, we'll kind of uh, put that into all that we're doing and get behind um, that shift to blended finance, which we think is a better approach to investment banking being developed uh, in this blended finance area. So that's, that's uh, uh, three examples of what's coming out of the Good Capital Project. Sure, and, and I guess for people that want kind of more information, either on, on the Good Capital Project or the upcoming kind of total impact events, they can go to goodcapitalproject.com. You guys got tons That's of stuff right. on there. Um, I, I do yep. wanna cover a few other things because you guys are involved in, in some more fun stuff too that I think is really innovative. <laughs> what exactly is intentional media? Because you're, you're managing partner, what are you guys kind of mm -hmm. doing with that? Because you, you guys are doing mm -hmm. a ton of stuff. Well, we start off with SOCAP, 
but okay. then we realized uh, the other things we were going to do, we didn't want to dilute the brand of SoCap. Got and you. So we started, we went to Good Capital Project and started that. And that's a different brand. We've also bought, bought Conscious Company Media out of sure. Boulder, which is, uh, if you go to ConsciousCompanyMedia.com and you see their magazine, it's a fantastic magazine on leaders of companies. And really that's to focus on very purpose-driven company CEOs and leaders and employees. And they are having events uh, like the Conscious Company Leaders Forum and uh, that that is uh, in the Redwoods in, in, in June, and they just had a women's leaders forum. So all of the, and the, so those brands we have put under the holding company of Intentional Media, uh, which is our holding company for the different brands that could meet entrepreneurs and meet, meet company leaders and keep, meet the capital markets and really start to infect the intentionality of what people want to do and how they want to spend the money, how they want to work, how they want to consume, uh, and how they want to save in different brands that can focus on those issues and be very, very committed to those issues. But we can also take issues that we can sprinkle across those brands sure. and that might be more of a movement. Uh, and, um, uh, an example of that is we've launched the Year of Women campaign, which is just uh, touching all of the different events across all of those areas. But also we're partnering with a whole bunch of other different brands on on the empowerment of of women, uh, you know, across these different dimensions. So that's what Intentional Media is. It's a it's a media company that embraces these different brands sure. for finding different mechanisms to change people's behavior to be prepared for building the future ahead of us that we all, we all want. And instead of it being an accident or what we end up with. So, you know, betting on your generation being the best generation in history to us is also embedding on intentional media to actually have the view that you can be intentional about where you are trying to build the future. Sure. Yeah, and I actually had Megan from Conscious Company on the show a couple of months ago where we talked kind of about her launching that kind of magazine and getting the, the CEO of Whole Foods kind of on their first cover. And then we talked about the women <laughs> event that you guys ran in, in February. Yeah. Um, you know, and I know you guys are doing more. And, you know, uh, it wasn't you guys. It wasn't you guys. It was definitely women who ran it. And it was sure. All women. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. And, uh, uh, but you know, we are we are very uh, proud of the women leadership we have in our organization, and the majority of the organization being women, and we, um, you know, the the opportunity that Megan is providing with that magazine. Yeah, it's it's been interesting to watch, kind of just the last even since I I kind of met her earlier in the year, and just kind of following all the fun stuff that they're doing as well is is been really cool, mm -hmm. just kind of from the outside, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It's fun for us. We feel sure. like we're on the outside because she's so good. We really haven't. We just um, let her do her thing, and which is uh, she's extremely dynamic and, and very focused and she's an inspiration. Totally. So you guys also have this SoCap 365, which mm -hmm. I think is kind of much needed 
But what exactly yeah. is SoCap 365 and, and what why did you guys decide to kind of build this SoCap 365? Well, under under Lindsay Smalling and, and she has someone uh, named Liz Maxwell who was tireless at, at getting the message of SoCap into different city and places around different events. So this is taking that annual event and bringing it down to the neighborhoods. And she's had about 15 events so far this year. Wow. Uh, along some of those tracks and themes and bringing it into the city to create a dialogue and making it more accessible uh, for people to come in for a two or three hour session on one issue. And that also extends the SOCAP annual message, but also informs us and brings information back along with all of the other brands. The nice thing is all these brands are not siloed. We're all very connected and very collective in our mission. Okay. Interesting. So how do, how does it kind of work? Like, can I buy tickets to these? Is it invite only? Yeah. How does it kind of work? Yeah. It, uh, you can buy tickets and they're very affordable. Um, okay. And there's usually, they're usually sold out. So if you go to SoCap 365, I think they just launched their, their website. You'll have to Google because I can't remember the exact domain. A, a domain. Um, but uh, they will have their events and um, uh, they pretty much sell out uh, soon because it's really about being accessible to sure. those who want to be there. Uh, like they're, you know, 10 or 15 or $20 for the session. And it's a great way to meet people, but also get your opinion out there. Um, and so um, that is, uh, that's the role of, of SOCAP 365. And I think we'll continue to use that to really grow it to get more and more into the community with SOCAP 365. Sure. And just for people, um, I'm just looking at the site right now. Um, you guys just did one in San Francisco and Philadelphia and mm -hmm. Seattle and New York and Washington, yep. D.C. So you guys are kind of spreading these out kind of across the country a little bit, you know, at least coastal. And yeah. so I think like majority of people can easily get to kind of one coast or the other, I think for the most part with, yeah. you know, like a few hour flight or maybe a couple hour drive, mm -hmm. right? Is that fair to say? That's kind of the plan? Yeah, this is really to meet meet people where they are. So we wouldn't see people because this is typically, uh, a, you know, an afternoon or a morning. It's not a multiple day event like SOCAF or Total Impact Conferences is, is more of an issue-based uh, effort. And it's more if, if you felt that you were in a city that could really use a discussion around X and that might transport it to a broader stage of SOCAP, for, uh, SOCAP in, in San Francisco, reach out to uh, Liz Maxwell and say, you know, we'd love to to get this dialogue going in New Orleans or Houston or whatever. We'd love to do a three, took half 365 uh, um, discussion around this in, in our city. Sure. Well, and I also think like you guys have 
people posting kind of articles around some of these kind of big uh, like issues, I, I guess, right? Um, yeah. What what types of stuff do you like to cover, or you kind of maybe looking for at some of these upcoming events, just to get people thinking if they if they do want to reach out to you and say, I have an idea mm -hmm. for this. Well, we, you know, uh, along the the lines, it's important. Um, inclusion is very important to us. Okay. Gender equity is very important to us. Uh, you know, we going back to inclusion. It's it's both women inclusion, it's racial inclusion, um, uh, the financial inclusion aspect of that. And we believe, you know, the whole genesis of SoCal is getting rid of the two-pocket thinking. You know, there's one pocket for philanthropy and one pocket for investing. We think you combine the two and you have much better outcomes. Interesting. So we think that the issues of our, our time, whether it be um, uh, people need more meaning in what they're doing and more mindfulness, they need, there's often a need for more racial equity, their gender equality, but we want to link business approaches to that. We want to link what are the best practices uh, in, in the capital market. So, so we, we, we are focused more on what are the solutions and what are the creative approaches to this. There are some cities that are doing amazing things. So like in our Philadelphia conference, day one is about investment. Day okay. two is about the successes in Philadelphia in the backyard of these advisors on sustainable investment. So when we go to Boston, day one will be about investments. Day two will be what's, what are the solutions that are creatively uh, happening in Boston for those advisors to learn and others to learn. Gotcha. So 365 is an outreach to look at some of those issues. And the big stage is, um, is in, uh, SOCAP in, in San Francisco. Sure. But we're going to keep looking for magazines and media and different approaches to broaden this discussion. And, um, and so we, whether it's capital markets, it would be probably come to a good capital project and we'd love people to join in our newsletter just so we know they have an interest in this. SOCAP, I'd go to their info site and reach out to SOCAP, same with 365. If you're a corporation or business that really wants to either adopt or uh, show how you're exemplifying mindfulness and consciousness and how it's resulting in better results uh, to reach out to conscious company media. Um, and, and if you're confused, reach out to any of them because we're, we're, we're all work together. No, I, I think that's great. To be honest, like, I think we just kind of scratched the surface on kind of all the <laughs> stuff you're doing with kind of all the different brands and events and whatnot and we are sadly coming to the end of the show yeah and so i think just kind of i'll rattle off maybe a couple domains just because i have them up in front of me and then mm -hmm. if, if i'm missing any or or something else please fill that in at, at the end does that sound cool that's that's great perfect so for for socap 18 in san francisco that's october 23rd to the 26th it's socialcapitalmarkets.net just how it's out, like you spell it properly, it's, you know, S-O-C-I-A-L, 
C-A-P-I-T-A-L-M-A-R-K-E-T-S.net. Um, there's also links on there under kind of all events to the SOCAP 365, the Good Capital Project, Conscious Company. Um, but if people want, they can go to thegoodcapitalproject.com. Again, it's G-O-O-D-C-A-P-I-T-A-L-P-R-O-J-E-C-T.com. And then if they want for the SOCAP 365, it's the socialcapitalmarkets.net slash SOCAP. And then the numbers 365. And then Conscious Company is just Conscious Company Media. And it's C O N S C I O S, or sorry, I O U S. And then just companymedia.com. And then obviously you guys are kind of on all the social channels. I think it's probably easier if they just kind of Google that or they're linked from those websites. Mm -hmm. Uh, unless you want to mention any other kind of links or, or anything else, um, you know, what do you what do you think? Is there anything else you want to mention that I missed? No, the only uh, our interest is uh, you're building in the future is to help you make the millennials the greatest generation in history. And so if anyone has ways that we can help with that, that's what we're interested in. Perfect, John. Well, I really, really appreciate you taking time under your day to be on the show and look forward to keeping in touch with you and, uh, you know, coming down to San Francisco at the kind of end of October for, for SOCAP 18. Great. Come to the East Coast and, and uh, play with it, uh, you know, give it, give it a little disruption when you get a chance. I would love that as well. All right, John, you have a good rest of your day okay. and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please visit the show's website at buildingthefutureshow.com. Also check us out on Facebook at Building the Future Show and follow us on Twitter at Building Show. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.